In a world where options are limitless, but time is not, two heroes take a stand against injustice and overwhelming viewing choices. Starring Jane Ellen and Adam Cravens. A podcast that lets you know what's worth watching and what's not. From the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center, this is Binge or Cringe. Hello and welcome to Binge or Cringe. I'm Jane Ellen. And I'm Adam Cravens. So, I remember reading about this movie before it came out because it got 100% on the Rotten Tomato meter. And it was like, what? Which is, I mean, when you think about it, that's basically a unanimous, we like this. And like... 100%. There's there's not a lot of movies that you can... You can genuinely, unless like it was so, like its release was so obscure that only one person reviewed it. Like that's about the only other way you get 100%. Most of the time with Rotten Tomatoes, it doesn't reflect my views completely, but it's like if it's going more one way or the other, usually it's like, yeah, I agree with that. It's it's more toward the eh side of things or it's it, this is a good movie. I thought it might be. It's not exact. But 100%, I thought, this has to be amazing. If, if people are in that much in unison, like, on this, how, how could it go wrong? And yet it can, because clearly they were all out of their minds. Well, I mean, it is a, 2020 <laughs> is, a, is a strange year, Jane. It is a made-for-Hulu film starring Addie Sam, Addie, Andy Samberg, who I love. I love Andy Samberg. Did enjoy him quite a bit on Saturday Night Live. Love him. Uh, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm-hmm. Very funny show. And I have no issue with him or the other actors or the acting. It's not that. It's just boring and it's it's lewd, but not funny lewd. You know what I mean? I don't care if it's lewd or not, but it needs to be but for if you're a going reason. to be, yeah. If you're, Make it funny. At the, at the end of the day, if if you're not fun, like if you're a comedy and you aren't funny, or if you're an action movie and like you aren't engaging, or you're a drama and you're not compelling, like it, it doesn't matter how you put those ingredients together or if you use this or that, if you're not the thing that you were purporting to be, I, I'm probably going to be left wanting. Yes. This is the movie that is likened to Groundhog Day. Uh, Andy's character, he is at a wedding and he has been at this wedding so many times he doesn't even remember what he used to do for a living it's just the day keeps repeating and he meets a girl and she follows him into this cave even though he says no don't well apparently if you follow someone into the cave you also get caught in the same loop so there are three people caught in a loop here's the problem with, like, okay, whenever you invoke certain names, and you just, like, were a lot of people comparing it to Groundhog's Everyone Day? Everyone was. Okay. Everything I read about it. That first problem right there. Groundhog's Day is brilliant. Like, yeah. I, I, I adore Grant. People to this day, anytime you have any kind of, like, time loop story, people, inst- the, it, it's, oh, this is like Groundhog's Day. The problem with that is you are... You you are just inviting the comparison. Like, if you want to be compared to like the original Nutty Professor, like there's funny moments in that. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's it's not a fantastic movie. Like, that's fine. I had a a friend of mine once introduced me to somebody. He goes, "This is the funniest guy ever." And it's like you're the funniest. Guy well, ever. the the point that I I made to him, and I go, 
please don't do that. I go, let's say, let's say I knock it out of the park, but I'm only the third funniest guy this guy has ever heard. I go, you're already setting me up for disappointment. I go, let him make the decisions on whether or not I'm funny. I mean, every time a movie comes out, don't you be, it's the next Indiana Jones. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. That thing's a classic. You let people decide that they like it. Don't automatically set them up to fail. If it's not the the be- beautiful classic that Raiders of the Lost Ark is, it's going to be a disappointment. Just let them fall in love with it on their own. Don't. So. Go ahead. Palm Springs. I've heard of it. All about a wedding. Now, what happens, of course, is the the girl who is newly in a loop, she keeps coming back to Andy's character and first it's like, what did you do to me? And he tries to explain it and she just won't hear of it. And so she drives all the way home to Texas, wakes up in Palm Springs and it starts all over again. And then you get to the part where they both realize it doesn't matter what they do. They'll all be back tomorrow. So they steal a plane and crash it because they don't know how to fly. You know, fun stuff like that. They walk into a biker bar and they do a dance. No, they just dance and leave. Okay, that was kind of amusing. Um, And there's apparently backstories, but they don't really seem to be very interesting. Um. I haven't seen the end yet. Maybe it'll become brilliant. I've seen enough of it where I really don't feel like I need to see the end. But for closure's sake, I'm sure I'll just go to the last 10 minutes and go, huh. Because I'm assuming they will get out of the loop. Because they are on the assumption that karmically, should they change something about themselves or do something extraordinary for someone else, that they will be out of the loop. That's it. The the thing is, it's a comedy that I just don't think is particularly funny. And it's basically aping a concept off a comedy that is funny. I, I'm I'm going to go ahead and put this out there. I can't think of something in Groundhog Day that I really didn't think mm-hmm. worked. Like, it, it, okay, if you were going to take the time loop concept and do it in a su- dramatic science fiction way, or if you if you were going to take the concept and do it something different. But using it in a comedic way, just or, or like even a horror movie that no matter how many times you tried to get out, of you died in a really gory mm-hmm. way and woke up and had to die again. Like all of those are different ways to spin that concept that don't automatically invite. It. They already did like essentially a perfect comedic version of that. And mm-hmm. all due respect to Andy Samberg, there's another guy on Saturday Night Live that also did that concept perfectly. Yeah, I'm just, I really have an issue with 100% Rotten Tomato. I just. (laughs) It's people got the, they got COVID, Brian. I think, I think that that's what it is. They've all been cooped up in their, their houses or they're, they're breathing in like their own CO2. And like, it's just, it's, they, whenever we look back 15, 20 years from now, people will call this COVID brain. I guess so. Because I think you had said the, the Will Ferrell movie, the. What is the oh yeah the Phoenix something Rise of the saga. Power Saga or something the Power Saga had had a like a lot of that and, and like I'm a bigger Will Ferrell fan than than you are mm-hmm. but I can also recognize the movie that you just described to me probably is not it is not the rating it is getting on I believe what you commented on the tomato meter also was not indicative of its actual quality yeah. 
There's that. You're listening to Binge or Cringe, brought to you by Henson Oakley Family Dentistry. Jane Ellen talking with Adam Cravens about what is worth streaming, and Netflix has done something extraordinary. Extraordinary? Yes, it's. They've put all of the Monty Pythons available onto the Netflix and... The the films or the, the yes. television series? Yes. Well, there, I was just starting Holy Grail again. Uh, and there is a new documentary. And the documentary, I learned things in the documentary that I did not know. And it's fascinating as they talk about the films, as they talk about what it was like for the TV show. Basically, when they went to the BBC, they had all worked on different shows. And they said, hey, we want to do something. Uh, We don't have a name. We're not really sure if we're going to have music or anything. And they said, okay, only 13 episodes then. (laughs) Only. (laughs) They basically just hand them a couple of napkins. It was like Seinfeld. Something something colored in crayon. They're like, this is our show. And they're like, I don't. Fine. 11. 13. 13. You can only have that. And they're like. <laughs> we we don't know what we're doing. Now I I knew that they were very very smart. I knew that from the comedy alone. I didn't know that Graham Chapman was so close to being an actual doctor, as in he was going to do um, he was going to be an internist and you know do that type of thing, or he could work on this show. I I do think it's fascinating when you learn like these people that have. Maybe maybe not like defined like the the acting like mm-hmm. genre, but like they they seem like they're kind of like born and bred into it. And you're just like, yeah, well, I was I was about seven seconds away from completing my neurosurgeon pretty much um, doctorate, but I decided it would be more fun to do do this. Like Tim Allen was apparently a very successful uh, businessman, yeah, but just one day he decided he's like, I like stand up comedy more, and you're just sitting there going, is it? You know, like, is it a lapse in logic or is it just like confidence? What what made you walk away from something you were doing? Like, I'm sure he was doing fine. in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Santa Claus, uh, home improvement, Toy Story later. Sure. He made the right decision. But doing that initially, he didn't know that stepping away from. Yeah. For a longtime Python fan that I am, what I found the most interesting, Graham Chapman passed away. Some time ago. And they do have interviews with him, but obviously not current ones. And I've always known that Graham Chapman is slash was gay. So they're talking about how he was engaged to to marry a woman, how he was going to become a doctor, and how, I guess, within one year he changed all that. And so then he told the guys that he was gay. And their response wasn't like, ew, their response was, seriously? Because you could have told us, you know, you were a hamburger. We had, we had no idea that that was about to be told to us. Like, no clue whatsoever. And that I found very entertaining because they didn't care what he was. They just really couldn't believe it because it didn't seem like him. And that fascinated me. Well, I mean, a, a, a good documentary, like, really will peel the the layers away like mm-hmm. on that onion like if, if you just tell me a bunch of stuff that I, I that i already knew as a documentarian and having never made a documentary i, I am completely warranted in criticizing and mm-hmm. telling them how it should be done of course um f- find out things that i i didn't know 
like um, Ken Burns, like we'd covered like not too long ago. That guy seems to know how to he open does. up a subject about a subject I, I knew nothing about, wanted to know nothing about. And then whenever I see the 20, 25 minutes he's decided to dedicate to it, I'm just like, holy, this is the most fascinating thing in the world. They were talking about the Holy Grail. And for those of you who don't know, there are two Terry's in Monty Python. Terry Gilliam, who is the Murkin, and he is the Has made some interesting illustrator, and Terry Jones. Well, both Terry's directed Holy Grail. And they were talking about this one scene, and John Cleese said he and Eric Idle were just thrilled with what they'd done. Just just thrilled. They'd done it three or four times. That was a great take. They were really happy. Like, how do you like that, Terry? And his and response hairy. was, nah. needs more smoke. <laughs> it's like, there's a little too much, needs more smoke, as opposed to the joke is solid. Let's leave it. Things like that that I, again, did not know well, about Holy Grail. Anytime you've got, like, when people are like, oh, my goodness, why did that band break up? Or uh, why did this group, like, break up? When you have such differing, like, and in your head, like, they, they really do, oh, that worked. That's mm-hmm. perfect. This, you know, this song needs to be go on the album. Like, this skit needs to go in the show. Like, this is it. When you've got five, six different people, it it doesn't, like, sync up. And, mm-hmm. like, especially in those moments when you thought that you have nailed it. Like, you just sent it out of the park. Um, like, I, I was in a sketch comedy group. I don't know, 20 years ago. And we had a concept that we had all kind of thrown around as a group. And I actually put pen to paper and I was like, here's, here's what I think. Here, here's what I think that is. And I thought I had done a really like funny bit with it. One of the other guys comes in and he goes, just rewrites it completely. Doesn't, doesn't acknowledge the, the take on it that I did. Mm -hmm. Like doesn't, doesn't say that he didn't like it, but like, in as much as he completely rewrote it and used none of the concepts that I did, I'm sitting there going, ow, uh, well, in saying nothing, you've said everything. <laughs> so, like, seeing them go and just going, oh, that take is brilliant. And then the only thing the other person saw was, well, it needs more smoke. Like, uh-huh. you're just like, smoke, what are you, t- so, so, what are you talking exactly. about smoke? It was fascinating to me that Life of Brian, which followed that, the care that they put into Life of Brian because, for those who don't know, Life of Brian is, Brian was born at the same time as Jesus, but he's not. But people keep thinking he is the Messiah. They don't think he's Jesus because his name is Brian. You follow? And so they said they had to go through everything and decide, like, is, is Jesus funny? Do we make a joke with him? Are there any circumstances around him that are funny? And they said, you know, you read the Bible and you read anything else historical. And it's like everything he was saying was good. And none of it was particularly funny. So we're not going to mess with that. But we'll mess with people's reactions. Too. Which is, I mean, honest to goodness, A, if you're going to make a comedy like kind of riffing on mm-hmm. the life of Christ, you're already going into yes. treacherous waters. But I, I would say making making a joke about the reaction someone had said mm-hmm. as opposed to directly to um the the Lord and Savior Well uh, they did they they did a scene it's of, pr- they probably did that in the best the right possible thing. way. 
Yes, because I remember that film. Just every religious group was angry about it. And then to hear how much care they put in to not be directly offensive. For instance, at the Understanding sermon, the yeah. subject matter that they were touching, just going like... We we really need to. So at the Sermon on the Mount, they tre- have a guy. Lightly. They have a guy who is who looks like traditional Jesus, and he's saying the Sermon on the Mount. And then you like pan over a gajillion people, and so you get the people furthest away from him, and it's like playing telephone. You know, he said what? Where it begins to be funny, and yeah. it's like, yeah, that actually could have happened. You know, it really could have. So uh, it's the documentary is great. And, and then and you most can watch your, the other stuff. I, I mean, and not for nothing, like most of your Monty Python stuff is pretty funny. Or if it's not funny, it's thought-provoking. But at, at its best, it's funny and thought-provoking. Like, disclaimer, it's all kinds of British. Oh, yeah. Like, if you are, like, if you're wanting, like, pies in the face, if you're wanting the very, like, American, like, Laurel and Hardy, it's not. No. Um, like It's it, a bit cerebral. So, I mean, keep that in, like, in, in as much as, like, Faulty Towers is not everyone's <laughs> cup of tea. But it is mine. I, I'm just telling, like, this is a comedy that is very, very, like, specific. And it this may not be, like, the particular, um, like, blend of tea. And like, what some of the folks uh, who were talking about it were saying, people who watched Python worldwide and then communicated with each other, it was like, their shorthand. They got it. They got the references. So it was like their own club. And usually they weren't, you know, the sporting types who did other things. They were the ones that were watching TV. Right. And so it was great to have their own shorthand and to know all these Pythonisms. So it is delightful for Netflix to have that on. And the documentary is new. The shows are not, but watch them all anyway. And thank you for listening to Binge or Cringe. I'm Jane Ellen. And I'm Adam Cravens. You've been listening to Binge or Cringe. Download your favorites and keep up with new episodes in the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center.